The Real Estate Sessions podcast is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising for real estate brilliantly simple. Promote your brands, promote your listings, learn more at adworks.com. That's A-D-W-E-R-X.com, adworks.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. So today on episode 26, I'm happy to welcome Bob Herzog, owner and designated broker of Summit Home Consultants, located here in Phoenix, to the podcast. Bob's an Arizona native, comes from a long line of realtors, and best of all, is an ASU grad. Go Devils! Welcome to the podcast, Bob. Hey, you bet. Thanks for having me. So I, I saw in your bio that you're a third generation realtor. That's awesome. And a native. So there had to be a lot of real estate flying around the house when you were little. What What are some of your earliest memories about real estate? You bet. My uh, I remember my grandmother being a broker. Uh, I actually looked her up before I uh, got on the podcast today. Uh, she was licensed in 1960, uh, an ADRE. I was surprised they still have the records that go back that far. But a lot of my memories were my mom being in the business. Um, every, I think it was like once a month on Tuesdays or Thursdays, that's when the big MLS books would come out. They were like the size of telephone books. And she would always drag me to the office uh, on those days. So she had someone to carry these books to her car. Uh, she used to work at the old... Russ Lyon office on uh, 20th Street in Camelback, where my grandmother worked also. Um, the other thing, you know, it's funny, we we talk about now today, not funny, but uh, realtor safety and, and, and people showing up uh, without someone, you know, with them and, and that sort of thing to unknown clients that, that uh, for the first time. And when I was uh, kind of like in high, my high school years, uh, she'd drag me along if she had a new client. I'd have to go and uh, sit in the car with her, and just to, as an extra, you know, safety precaution, she'd take me along in case, uh, you know, because she didn't know who she was meeting. So, oh. I think those are the two uh, memories that stick out the most for me. So you're you're a native, born and raised here in Phoenix. You've seen a lot of changes in the Valley of the Sun, I'm sure. And from a realtor's perspective, what are a couple of the biggest changes you've seen here? Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, the, the biggest change that I've seen over time, I, you know, I've only been really selling houses, running a team uh, since about 2008. Before that, from 2001 to 2008, I was really just selling land. And uh, it was quite a learning curve. And I, I think the, the biggest thing was just the technology has changed so much. You know, I talked about the MLS books that were, you know, watching my mom just pour over page after page looking for, homes that would work for our clients and we can do that, you know, in a, in a millisecond now. Uh, we can run these searches and help our clients find it. So I think technology is, is the biggest change um, that I've seen. And then, you know, back in the day, like when my mom and grandmother were in this business, they used to tell me stories of, you know, Russ Lyon. If you wanted to work for Russ Lyon Realty, there was a several stage interview process that you went through just to even be allowed to join them. Whereas now we have brokerages that will take anyone that can fog a mirror um, and pay them a hundred percent commission and so forth. So, you know, that, that aspect has changed quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I would say technology is probably the biggest thing. 
We're going to come back to your the, your take on um, the hiring processes in a little bit. But before we get there, let's talk about, you know, you're off to college, you're off to ASU, and you're working your way through school there. Were you were you going to be a realtor? Is that what you were working towards? No, not at all. I uh, I actually met my wife, gosh, 24 years ago, 25 years ago, and uh, she was a teacher at the time when I got out of college, my senior year at ASU. Um, and my degree was in uh, HR management in the business college out at ASU. And, you know, I, I was, and that was 1991, and, and I thought I was going to go out and get a, a job in HR management. And lo and behold, it was just a horrible time to come out of school in the early 90s because the job market was so bad. And uh, I actually ended up going back to school and getting my teaching certificate. I taught for a year at Central High School. Uh, taught computers and then uh, decided I didn't want to make $30,000 a year the rest of my life and it and I just it just wasn't for me I don't know I, I love the coaching football and coaching baseball part of it but didn't care much for the the teaching part of it so I uh, then I went to work for Bridgestone Firestone selling tires to like trucking fleets and so forth and that led to eventually selling the big tires the big mining tires to the uh, the mine mining operations and so forth. And then I just got sick of traveling. Um, I was gone three weeks a month and, uh, and decided that wasn't for me. And my stepdad at the time was a uh, land broker. So I uh, went out and got my real estate license in 1999 and in 2001 got my broker's license and started selling land. And uh, uh, the land market, we did great with land for uh, quite some time until, you know, 2007 when uh, the market just crashed and there was nothing to do land-wise. Well, let's talk about that in 2001 when you, you started your company, Summit Land Consultants, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm yes. just guessing things had to be flying around at that time. I mean, there had to be deals being put together left and right to put together subdivisions because everybody was building somewhere. It was it was the craziest, I would say 04, 05, 06 was the craziest time I've ever seen in real estate. It was, especially in the land side of things, we were selling, we, we would sell a parcel little, literally three times. It would change hands before it would finally close escrow. We were selling positions on deals right, where right. a developer would come in, tie it up, and another developer would come in and say, hey, tell your guy, I'll give him $250,000 for his position on that contract. We do that two or three times, and you know all these contracts. We I remember we used to write everything, you know, Joe Smith and or nominee, just in case we needed to reassign it. I mean, it was that coming, crazy. Right. Obviously, that that market slowed down, and mm-hmm. in 2007, you don't bail on the business, but you transition to residential real estate. So you're you're coming from really it's commercial to residential. Talk about some of the biggest challenges doing that. It was like, I tell people, it was like changing careers. It was like going from being a dentist to a heart surgeon or whatever. I mean, it was just nuts how, how different it was. Right. Um, I literally had to start my career over again because in the land business, I had, you know, eight to 10 investors that I just put into and took them out of land deals. And now I had to actually just go out and meet people and, and establish a name for myself. And, and I did that mainly through short sales. That was, uh, that was my a- entry into the market. Um, you know, I was just when the land market tanked, I I had a decision to make. I was either going to stay in the real estate business or go tr- try to find a, a real job, so to speak. And 
at that time, the only way to get in the door and talk to people for a guy like me that really hadn't been doing it was to uh, go out and get educated on the whole short sale process and reach out to people that were that were hurting and, and try to help them through that. So let's talk about that. I mean, um, it's not something that's uh, we remember fondly, but but it was important, as you mentioned, and, and it was a service that, that a lot of people provided in the industry to help people through their problems. But talk about what did you do to become educated in that process? And then how did you set up? You must have had systems in place that kind of made that work smoothly. I, I immediately just said, okay, if I'm going to sell houses, the only people that are selling right now are people that have to. So I decided that, that short sales were the way to go. I had no connections with banks to get into the REO business or anything. So I ran out and took the uh, CDPE class. I don't know if you remember that, but mm -hmm. Alex Charfin started CDPE right about that time. As a matter of fact, I took the first class he ever did in Phoenix where he actually taught the class and uh, gave us all the systems and so forth. And literally what I was doing is I just looked at different neighborhoods. I was good at research from the land side of things. I knew how to research and find uh, certain things that I was looking for, trends and, and so forth. So I went and, and just kind of looked for people that had the, the, the best chance of purchasing during the worst time, which people were the most upside down. And I literally just started doing searches by anyone that bought in 05 or 06, that's who I'm going to send a letter to. And I sat there and typed letters and bought, you know, boxes and boxes of letterhead and envelopes. And I just literally wrote letters saying, if you're in trouble, don't give your house back to the bank without calling me first. And I remember just spending hours at our kitchen counter with my kids and my wife, everything, licking envelopes, stuffing envelopes and stamping them and sending them out with, you know, taking boxes down to the post office. Uh, and that's literally how we got our phone to start ringing. And within six months, I'm sitting there with, you know, I'm into the business six months and I've got 20, 25 listings out there. And, and it was just kind of, we just kind of learned as we went, you know, we, I started doing all the negotiating myself on the short sales and then I was ready to kill somebody and hired that job with a, a an attorney who ended up doing a, a you know, had a, like a paralegal or someone that, that was uh, calling and, and following up and making sure we were getting a, getting uh, approvals and so forth. And, uh, you know, that's basically how I, how I started and until we got through the whole short sale mess. That's, that's pretty much all I did. I didn't represent any buyers. I was just listing short sales. Did you have uh, any agents on staff at this time or was it still just kind of, you're a one man show kind of working through this no, process? I was a one-man show. My brother-in-law was selling land with me before that, and and he got into it with me on the short sale side for a little while. But for the most part, it was it was me pumping the, those letters out. Well, let's let's leave that in the past. Let's look forward. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. So <laughs> let's talk about today. What's what's your primary method today for acquiring business? Are you are you generating leads online? Are you referral based, uh, or is it something else? What are you doing? Well, my personal business is is 90% referral past clients uh, but I do for you know for the other 10 agents on my team or nine agents on my team uh, majority of that business is coming from from internet leads we have a, a real geeks website that generates uh, prospects for us and then uh, you know I spend a lot of my time just uh, trying to teach them train them on how to convert that's the biggest thing um, you know, we, anyone can, 
can get leads. You can go to Zillow, Trulia, your own website, whatever. Um, the secret sauce is, is how to convert them, get them in the car with you, and get them closed. Right. And and so you're – I like to ask this question. Do you like being the designated broker? I do. Okay. Um, there was a period in, in, you know, two, three years ago where I wasn't too fond of it. I, I love being a uh, – I love doing my own business. I love being – in the game, so to speak, uh, but I also really enjoyed building the team over the years. And for a while, the, the brokerage side of things just didn't appeal to me much. And to be quite honest, the reason is I was not a very organized person when it came to paperwork and and uh, keeping track of transactions and that sort of thing back then. But uh, as time went on, I learned, you know, how to how to use uh, various transaction management software. Hired, we now have a full-time transaction coordinator here on our team that uh, takes a lot of that stress off of me. But yeah, it's it's challenging. But you know, Bill, I I only have one out of the nine agents I have, I only have one that you'd consider to be new that's been in the business less than three months, this one guy. But everyone else on our team has been with us two, three, four, five years. Um, so when you're, when you hire people that have been doing this a while, it, it tends to make your job as the broker easier. So let's get back to that earlier point you made about how easy it is and how low the bar is to become a realtor. You have a, a smaller brokerage that I, I'm sure is by design, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And so what's your process? Like you I, you mentioned, you're not really in the business of training new agents, but how do you go about determining if someone's a good fit for your team? Well, it's not so much, it's not so much I'm not in the business of training new agents. If but it's it's it goes back to my coaching days. I used to coach football and baseball, and and I always said that you know a lot of coaches will say this. You you uh, you find the good athlete and and get him on your team, regardless of his experience. And and how that equates to real estate, you just find good people that really want to go out and help folks, and you know they have that spark. You know they 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 you only have to tell them something once or twice, and they get it. Or they come to the office ready to go every day. Um, you know, one thing I, I tell our folks is that, that are on our team is is you need to wake up every morning thinking, knowing you're unemployed that day, and you need to go find someone to hire you for a job. And if I see someone that's brand new to the business, but they've got those qualities, then then I'll hire them. But for the most part, we're looking for people that that the ideal candidate for our company is someone that's selling five to 15 homes a year that wants to get to 25 or more. Um, and if they have the right attitude and they have that mindset of really wanting to take their game to the next level, then, then this is a good place for them. Anyone else, you know, people that are in it part time or just, you know, which so many people in our industry are, which is fine. I have no problem with folks like that. Some of the best agents out there to transact with are, are people that do less transactions. But, um, for our team and, and what we're looking for, we're just looking for people that will really want to get to that next level. You mentioned a little bit ago about it's the the secret sauce of lead generation is the conversion curating, you know, really taking them from a lead to a customer. And so what are some of the mistakes you see agents making today when it comes to marketing lead generation or or even that that other conversion side? Yeah, the, the agents that are trying to do it on their own that are out there, you know, cranking out cranking up their website, spending 
thousand, fifteen hundred, two grand a month on leads. Um, the biggest issue I see is a lack of of uh, discipline, a lack of systems. Um, they're kind of they're kind of on again, off again. They show up one day, they do great with their calls, and then you know for the next two weeks they don't call anyone, and they wonder why they don't have anyone in the car. And um, you know, it's it's a very very difficult way to make a living. Our our industry, you know, real estate in general is a, just a tough way to make a living. Um, the opportunities though that you offer your agents on a team like ours, you know. My deal is, is is opportunity and accountability, um, and most agents either don't want accountability or they don't have it in, in the, the company or the team that they're on. And if you don't supply accountability, if you don't, if you're not holding your agents accountable, then you know you're going to starve as a team leader or as a broker. So. You know, going back to your original question in a roundabout way, I think I answered it, but it's the, I'd, see, I'd say the biggest thing is just uh, discipline and consistency and a lack of systems. Yeah. And there's this, I don't want to call it a battle, but there's this dichotomy in the industry. There's There are the people who are all about lead generation in, a, a, in various ways, whether it's FISBOs or expireds or open houses or cold calling or door knocking and that sort of thing. And then there's there's the sphere-based side of things. And it sounds to me like in your world that you marry those two together, that there's definitely the prospecting lead generation going on, but you yeah. don't discount well, how important it is to stay in front of the people, especially through those short sale years, the people you've helped. Well, exactly. That's how I built my business. It was, um, it was you know, the short sale stuff was, was so difficult and took up so much time and it was very stressful and so forth. But those people that I was able to help, they are clients for life. I mean, I got them out of a really tough situation, and, and that's the beauty of what I went through with short sales, and it shows the importance of your sphere. And, and my goal for every one of our agents is for someday in the very near future to not even require leads from me, to be working exclusively out of their sphere, kind of like what I do right now. Mm -hmm. um, but they all need that little boost. They need they need that help of, of building their database uh, so that that database can turn around and, and refer business to you, which is really the, the lowest hanging fruit in our, in our business is people that already know you, respect you, and have had a good experience with you. Um, those are the ones that, that refer people to you. And that's when you build your business to that point where you're, you're working by referral only, then that's the ideal situation. Um, you know, my goal is to get them there. You're, I'm going to uh, switch gears a little bit, and you know I follow a lot of realtors online here in, in uh, Arizona, and in the past, you were not really the biggest supporter of local and state associations. Is that a fair assessment? Can I say that? Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. I, was kind of, I was kind of mouthy about it. Yeah. Well, that's good. So you, you had opinions, and, um, but, but now, now I've, I serve on a committee with you for the con spring convention, and you're on, I think, an arm list committee as well. It seems like you've come to the table um, why the change? How did that happen? Well, it was kind of put up or shut up time for me. You know, I, I could sit there and complain about it or I could get involved with it. And and uh, the first committee I joined was uh, the AAR Legislative Committee, which I've been on. I think this is my third or third year, I believe, on that committee. Um, 
And then, as you know, Bill, once you join one committee, it's like everyone attacks you and wants you to join their committee. That, <laughs> so, that's true. Very uh, true. Um, so then I ended up joining the Armless. Uh, I'm actually chairing the Armless Rules Committee this year, and uh, I'm also on the AAR Business and Technology Committee. Uh, I think there's one. Oh, and then there's obviously the uh, Spring Convention Committee. So, you know, I just, I just, I was challenged. You know, someone told me finally, hey, why are you sitting there complaining about things? Why don't you join it and make a difference? And that's what I did. So, ever since then, it's I, and and I look at it, Bill, as kind of like my way of giving back to, you know, to the industry and and so forth. I mean, there's uh, so many people that go into the forums and and slam AAR or Armless or whatever. And really, I mean, until you get in there and really see how they work and you see the level of volunteerism that goes on with, you know, everyone's busy. Um, and that's the one thing you'll hear is I don't have time for it. I'm busy. Um, I'm running a brokerage trying to sell 25, 30 homes a year and so forth. And I still find the time to, for those committees. Um, and I think I really, you know, encourage anyone that before you you uh, get online and start screaming about you know anyone armless AAR NAR for that for that matter, pick up the phone and call and say, hey, I want to get involved. You know, you can either you can either go in there and change things or just sit back and complain about it. Right. Well, I've had, I appreciate your time. We've been here almost half an hour. Let me let me wrap up with my final question. It's the same one we ask everyone, so I think you know it's coming. And that is, uh, what, what's your one piece of advice that you would give to an agent just getting started out? I'd say the, the best piece of advice I can give an agent right now is to join a team. Get, find a team and, and, and get involved with that team. Get around a team that has a track record of success. Um, and don't believe everything. Don't believe the flashy videos and crap that you see out there of guys up there talking about how they're going to, well, I won't get into the exact words, language, and stuff, but you know, you know what I mean. The flashy stuff. You need to dig into it deeper. You before you join a team, you need to sit down with the team leader or the broker that's telling you how wonderful it is, and say, okay, show me how much money your agents made that last year. Not just how much they brought in. How much did they net? Okay, and how did they get there? What do you provide uh, to help your agents get to that level? Um, the other thing, now that's, I mean, a new agent, I think that's the best advice I can give, give is, is to join a team. As far as existing agents, one thing I'm seeing that's kind of uh, scary because I've been through it and I've, I've, I've learned my lesson well. A lot of agents, this team thing has really taken off and a lot of agents are starting these teams before they should. Um, you know, you, I've seen Agents, I've, uh, there's one guy that's that's all over Facebook all the time, you know, saying I've got 15 people on my team and I'm going to build it up to 25 people. And I've never heard of this guy, so I, you know, I look at his numbers and he's selling 12, 13 homes a year. And the thing that I learned, I kind of jumped into it a little early myself. And the moment you start shifting your focus to a team, you tend to get away from what produces the dollars for you and that's your own business and it's it's it it can be really dangerous because if you start ignoring those people that got you to where you are today then that business goes away it goes to somebody else and now you're just stuck as a team leader 
And it's hard, it's really hard to be profitable when you're not paying attention to your own business and trying to just help other people grow theirs. So, you know, the, the, the advice I'd give to existing agents that are thinking about talk or thinking about starting a team, don't even think about it until you're selling, you know, 30 plus homes doing 10 million or more a year in sales because as soon as you start diverting your focus off of your own business, it, uh, it can really hurt you financially. Right. Well, Bob, thank you so much for taking time today out of, a, out of your Friday, uh, as we're recording this, to, to join us on the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And, and we're recording this two days before the Cardinals game, and it'll air two days after the Cardinals game. So let's just say go Cards and keep our yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> And I had to get my Go Devils in there, too, for all those U of A fans that might be listening out there. It wouldn't be Bob without trying to find a U of A fan to upset. I love it. So. That's right. <laughs> all right. Bob, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Bill. Have a good one. And thank you once again for listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. We're very thankful that you journeyed over to our little corner of the Internet to listen to the stories and the tips and advice from local and national industry leaders. Please remember to tell your friends about what we're doing over here, and we'd be happy to have them join us as well. Until next week, thank you very much for joining us. Goodbye. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.